Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,681. Today we're going big horsepower, buckle up. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm in Grafton, Wisconsin, with a very special, a very fast guest by the name of Dave Salvaggio. Dave, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am ready, and I cannot wait. I'll bet. Well, you've probably been asked that question many times because the kind of stuff that you guys build there at SpeedCore is just over-the-top insane, and I'm going to give you a proper introduction in a minute, but first, I want you to tell my listeners one little thing that maybe most people don't know about you. Ah, man. You know, most people, and it's funny, the car builder world, most car builders or designers, they they work six, seven days a week. And uh, after a while, that can add up over 20 years in business in whatever you do. So one thing that they don't know about me is I strive before to be a good car builder is I want to be a great father Mm. to both my daughter, who's 10, and a great father to my son, who's 20. And uh, what they may or may not know about me is I have a passion for leaving a legacy for these kids that when they grow up, they have a passion for cars or for things that are technical, Mm -hmm. and that's going to grow into their minds, and it's going to give them a future where they're going to have a job, and they're going to love going to it all the time. And furthermore, they're going to have a hobby that they are going to love and share with their kids. So I would say taking that passion and uh, using that with your family, it creates a bond that they will remember for a lifetime. You know, this is near and dear to my heart, Dave, because uh, my kids are grown and they've gone off to college and now they're off in their own careers and living in different cities. But growing up, I always tried to include them. I've been in the car business forever and I used to attend a lot of events. I vintage raced. I went to a lot of Concours events. I even traveled the world and whenever I could, I would take them with me to experience that with them. And to this day, both of my children have told me as adults that those experiences carried forward into their careers today. They learned how to communicate great with other people. You know, when you're a little kid on the Concord lawn, there's a lot of big adults around you. And I always tried to help my kids introduce themselves to people. In the case of my son, it grew into something pretty cool because he made all these friends. And in fact, one morning he said, hey, dad, this guy invited me to drive on the lawn at Pebble with him. So if you can take me over there at five in the morning, I'm going to ride in in his Jaguar. And I went, wait, I want to do that. I've never been able to do that. And uh, so he was like eight years old and he got to ride onto the lawn in a beautiful old Jaguar. So what you're doing is absolutely the best thing. I can tell you're a very loving and giving father. So, so important. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, let me give you a proper introduction and we're going to dive into what you guys are doing at SpeedCore. I'm so excited to share your business with my listeners. Dave Salvaggio is the vice president of SpeedCore Performance Group. SpeedCore is an American performance company where engineers and artisans combine traditional craftsmanship with cutting-edge technology. He and his team specialize in custom performance vehicles, carbon fiber, 
composite part manufacturing, and engine integration. Speedcore also builds some of the most unique pro touring cars on earth, specializing in bespoke carbon fiber bodywork. There's a tongue twister with big, big, <laughs> I mean big horsepower. Dave is a longtime car fanatic and storied custom car builder, currently leading the way at this innovative Wisconsin-based shop. We'll be back in just a minute to talk with Dave, but first a word from our valued sponsors that make this show possible. Give them a little listen. Keep your seatbelt on because we are moving fast here on Cars Yeah! Today. Sit tight. Did you know that Covercraft is much more than car covers? They offer protection for the inside of your vehicles as well. No matter what kind of vehicle you drive, Covercraft makes a floor mat, a cargo area protection product just for your vehicle. Their plush custom fit floor mats turn any ride into something special. Their premier Berber custom floor mats, which are a favorite of mine, if you want something very stylish and unique for your favorite ride, they also have weather shield Floor liners that provide ultimate protection for heavy dirt, mud, snow, and slush. Their Carhartt custom cargo liners not only look great, but keep your rear cargo area and seats protected from the kids, the pets, or whatever's going on back there. Do you have a pet that destroys your vehicles? Covercraft has you covered for that too with a wide variety of pet protection options. Is your vehicle getting a little long in tooth? There's no better way to give it a new car look than with a custom fit floor and trunk mat. I replace mine every few years with something a little different just for fun. All your options are easy to clean, they secure to the floor, and they look oh so good. Don't forget your trunk too. Custom fit trunk liners for sedans, coupes, and SUVs are perfect to protect the factory carpet from all those things that can stain, tear, and damage your carpets. Check out Covercraft.com for the huge number of styles, colors, and options that you'll love. And I've got a deal for you here at Cars Yeah. If you use the Yeah120 code at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order on me. Go to Covercraft.com, use the code Y-E-A-H-120 at checkout and get 10% off today. Covercraft, they've got you covered. So what do you do after running a race team for 27 years with over 100 podiums, multiple Daytona wins, and a win at Le Mans? Racer and the Racers Group team owner, Kevin Buckler, founded Adobe Road Winery. Located in Petaluma, California, he and his team have created a winning combination with the Racing Series, These are four ultra-premium red wine blends that are in a class of their own. Like racing, these wines comprise of art, precision, engineering, science, wrapped in a whole lot of fun. You can choose from four blends, titled Redline, Apex, Shift, and the 24. Today I'm going to tell you about Apex. It's a rich and complex blend of Cabernet Sauvignon, Syrah, and Cabernet Franc. This blend is a showcase of perfection and hits the apex with its full-bodied, smooth finish. An added, very cool option is the label. It's a multi-dimensional rumble strip apex, reminiscent of Turn 4 at Laguna Seca. The Racing Series is a spectacular gift for the automotive enthusiast in your life, and I've got a deal for you. If you use the code CARSYEAH, all one word in all caps, at checkout, you get $10 off any purchase of the wines from the racing series. Your wine ships promptly and arrives quickly. Use the code CARSYA at checkout for $10 off your purchase today. There's always a seat at the table for excellence with the racing series. Go to adoberoadwines.com today and use the code CARSYA. Cheers! 
All right, Dave, we're back. And as we start on this journey that I'm going to call your very fast-paced life, I would love for you to share a mantra or some kind of success quote that's important to you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires, in your case, smoking here on Cars. Yeah, so Dave, I know you love to drive. Grab the wheel. You know, the best piece of advice I've ever got from somebody in the industry is know your limitation. Mm. So in our car building world, car designing, and really just trying to prove what we you can do with your skills, it's interesting because if you can know your limitations on either a design approach or integration or just engineering, you'll know your faults right away and you'll work with a team or people that will still accomplish your goal. And in the end, it's a better product, not only for you or represent your company, but it's going to give that end user a better product. So what do I mean by that is, let's just face it, for the car builder world, and maybe I thought this 20 years ago, you're trying to have a company and you're going to prove to the world that you can kind of do everything. And let's just call it pride, or maybe we're going to call it, you know, I can't wait to prove to everybody and they're going to love what I build. But in the end, you realize you're going to have some skills that are going to be over the top and maybe better than others. And then you're going to find out you're lacking in certain areas because every car builder or every real car builder would admit that they could do something better on that last job they did. And I don't care who the car builder is. So they could be like, oh, I love the car and maybe the fans love it or the customer loves it. But you're like, you know what? I could have made this a little bit better. Or if I would have changed the whatever, the rake or the stance or the tire size or the wheel or the offset or whatever, you would realize like, man, I could have done better. So the piece of advice, again, is know your limitations and make sure you got a solid crew. And even if you only have one skill, but if you do that very well and you can prove to the world like, hey, I'm doing this and I do it very well, people are going to come to you and you're going to have an amazing business and you're going to make money and enjoy it. But if you're going to spend time working on something, maybe that's not your specialty, what you're going to do is have a subpar product and you're going to lose in that area. So that is one thing I just want to share to any car guy or builder. And this also goes with guys building cars in their garages who maybe need to buy the right suspension or the right products. Look at these guys that are providing this stuff and make sure it's the best avenue for you, you know, when you're building your cars, you know, on the weekends or as a hobbyist. So Absolutely. What's that great line by Clint Eastwood? A man's got to know his limitations. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so let me ask you this, because this is a, a really important thing. Uh, the idea of under promising and over delivering kind of comes into play here too. But as you grow as a builder, as a designer, as a fabricator, and you guys obviously over time, you've been in business for a long time, you just keep getting better and better and you try things. For somebody out there that's building a business and is young, what are some ways that you found over time that you could push yourself a little bit each time so you didn't make something that didn't come out the way you or your client wanted, but you kept growing? How do you keep that balance working right so you don't overdo it? and mess things up, but you're always stretching just a little bit further. Number one, communication is the key, especially with the customers, because you had a great line a minute ago where over-delivering or, I'm sorry, under-delivering and, and your, maybe your timelines are off. I can't tell you how many people in the world where customer will come in with the best of intentions and they're like, hey, I have X project. Can you do this? And you've got a starving builder out there that says, Yes, I can do that. And in his heart, he believes it. And he, and he thinks he can get it done in six months for X amount of dollars. Right. But as you know, 
you find out, oh my God, I didn't know it was this rusty, or I didn't know it, the systems integration of this engine and transmission were not going to fit. And then they didn't communicate. And then my wiring guy was late. And then the you know supply chain was off and I didn't get the parts in time. Right. So I find that most customers are okay as long as you communicate with them, which is fantastic. But then at the same time, you need to look at your skills as a builder or a craftsman and be like, okay, I know that I can do this in this amount of time, but I'm going to tell the customer another six months more and then look like a hero if I deliver early. And then don't put yourself in a corner. You know what I mean? Don't say, oh, I can do this and we're going to make SEMA in three months because we all know it's not going to happen because we've <laughs> no. all been there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. all of a sudden you go to SEMA and you're like, oh, it's a great car. And you get up to it and you find out there's no interior in it. And you're all like, right. oh, well, this guy, you know, ran out of time. Yep. So yeah. any young builders, I would say the best piece of advice is communicate with the customer. But the other thing is use resources and whether it's machining, whether like what we do, use carbon fiber or use certain techniques or skill sets or machines to make 3D print or do whatever you need to do with your parts and spend less time being so much of a craftsman and making it when you can make it better and faster using technology. So technology is our friend. Mm-hmm. But the new guys under age 35, they need to use technology, but they also have to be artisans, maybe in a different way than the metal craftsmen, you know, of yesterday. Yeah. So there's going to be a fine balance between those two groups of people, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Another great movie line comes to my mind. What we got here is a failure to communicate. <laughs> cool hand, Luke. One yeah, of the you know, I, I ran a business for a long time, and I used to say to everybody, communication is the key to our success, and the lack of it, the reason for our failures. And every time something went upside down, it was poor communication, lack of communication, uh, confused communication. And today, in the world of quick answers on text messages and emails versus picking up a phone and speaking to somebody, or better yet, which we can't do much of today, looking at somebody in the face and talking to them, communication is somewhat of a becoming a lost art. So I, I'm glad you mentioned that. It's so, so important. Well, I would love for you to share a lot more about SpeedCore. Tell us what gets you so excited about getting out of bed every day and going into this business. All the different things that you guys do there, because you do a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, I think daily, it's a challenge. And that's what I look forward to, because I think you'll find that most car builders or performance shop, they love the daily challenge of going in and saying, I'm going to make something with my team and we're going to change the world or the way that the world looks at this car or what we've done with this package or, you know, systems integration. So the best thing going in, for example, like today, we're working on a 1970 Charger for Kevin Hart, uh, the comedian. Oh, the comedian. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, great guy. He's building an amazing collection and, um, you know, we're doing uh, two cars for him right now. And what's amazing is it's like this guy picked us out of nowhere to do this for him. And Kevin's smart, too, because he's got some other shops building some other cars as he's building a a collection. Mm -hmm. And the best part is, is I love his attitude. And it's kind of the way I like to see things is the car market world is not like one band conquers everything. Mm -hmm. It's like going to a festival where there's tons of bands around. And if you like jazz, you like rock and roll, you like blues, it doesn't matter. You're going to that festival because you like different tastes and different things. And the car market is the same thing. So 
they're coming to us like Kevin, where he's looking for, you know, maybe it's some Mopars uh, with carbon fiber and beam and drivetrain. But then he's going to other shops because he likes classic Mustangs or classic GTOs and all this other stuff. So he's doing it right. And looking at that, you know, coming to work, knowing that, hey, I get to build a car for a guy like that who's going to appreciate it is amazing. The other thing that I I love is uh, I'm doing a 68 Dodge Charger for Ralph Shields uh, of FCA Group. And he is, you know, amazing guy to work with. His designs, uh, the things he's done with Dodge and you know, FCA are just, you know, amazing. So he approached us about a year and a half ago at uh, a festival, uh, the Mopar Festival in um, Orange County. And he's like, man, I love what you guys did with Evolution, which was a another 70 Dodge Charger. And he's like, I want to do something cool. And uh, I love everything you did. And the best thing is he's given us the time and he's given us the creative opportunity to design what we think is cool, run by him. And really, in the end, just give an amazing designer a piece of artwork that he's going to use and drive and abuse and show off. And is there really any better marketing than you can do where you just say, hey, we built this car for this guy who's the pinnacle of FDA, and he is driving it all the time, loving it. And man, that, you know, having that from him, I think is just one of the best accolades we could have. That's an incredible Incredible. Yeah, Accolade, definitely, because he's been a guest on the show and you look at him as a designer and the fact that he's giving you the freedom to be creative versus a designer coming in and going, here's exactly what I want. Don't deviate from it. I mean, that, that's a massive tribute. You need a trophy for that one because that's pretty cool. <laughs> he's, he's been around forever. But there's a lot more you guys do than, and I won't say just build cars because you don't just build cars. You create incredible masterpieces. But there's other things that you guys create as well, right? Yeah, so carbon fiber is kind of our soul. And, you know, everybody has their niche, if you will. So, like, if you look at the Roadster shop, you know, great shop, but their key is frames. And, you know, that's probably their bread and butter. And the cars are great as well, you know, masterpieces. But for us, it's more carbon fiber. And there's very few people in that space. It's growing as the industry grows, but you'll find that aerospace swallows up most of the carbon fiber artisans. Right. And quite frankly, our region and where we are, you know, in the country, cold winters and long winters, you know, it's tough to get people to relocate from, you know, California who are making carbon for Boeing to come out here and work. So I would say having a a great group of artisans on the floor that we have here making carbon fiber is amazing. And the fact that we have the ability and machinery and equipment to autoclave uh, the same way, you know, as Boeing or some of the other, you know, aerospace engineers uh, is amazing. And then applying that same principle to vehicles. So the CAD guys developing parts, making these parts, 3D printing them to check them out early, making the molds. And then from the molds, what is, how many parts are you going to make out of it? And then continuing that on through the year of the project or how many times you're going to make a car or parts for certain cars you know, it was amazing. So I would say, um, you know, that's, that's the big piece of our business. And also, you know, we do a lot with metal fabrication too. A lot of people don't know that because they come up to the car and they might see exposed weave carbon fiber before they see amazing aluminum parts that were made on English wheel or, um, you know, the planching hammer or whatever, just formed and TIG welded and ground and, you know, filed and look amazing. So having that niche as well is great because, 
you, you want to have the right guys, the right group, and make sure at the end you have a well-rounded business and and that's what we're kind of striving for. Well, yeah, you've gotten there. It's really fantastic. I love what you guys are doing. I always ask my guests about a big challenge in their life, even a big failure they faced, and it's more about how they came out positive on the other end. The learning lesson from that, I even had a guest once that said, my New Year's resolution is to have 100 failures this year, meaning that she wanted to try 100 things she'd never done Probably not do it very well, but at least have the experience and learn how to do it. I thought that was a pretty cool New Year's resolution. Yeah. <laughs> so walk me through one of yours in your life, Dave, and tell me how you came out positive on the other end. Yeah, I would say that maybe 10 years ago, it's interesting because you can have all the work in the world, you know, all the jobs come in, you have all these customers, and you're looking at, you know, how many jobs are on the floor and how many guys you're paying. And you find yourself working around the clock and you got work, you got money coming in, but then you're not enjoying it because after a while you find out maybe you've taken on more than what you wanted, but you didn't know that at the time. And then you find out this isn't as fun because I can't be as creative into this project. Or you find out, man, I am just burnt out and now I'm not spending time with my family or my friends or whatever you want to do. So again, it kind of goes back to knowing your limitations because you can build 20 cars a year, 30 cars a year uh, as a builder, but you might not be happy. And you might find out if you just did three cars and you did them really well for the right people, you'll make more money than you did with the other ones (laughs) and you'll have a better appreciation. Yes. So it's a lot to do with volume and quality. And at the end of the day is you got to work smarter, not harder. So one of my grandfather on my mom's side, race car promoter and uh, on race teams with my great uncles and all that other stuff. But on my other side, my dad's father was a a builder for homes. And it was something that was interesting that he taught me. He said back in the 60s, he was building 100 homes a year and losing money. Uh, Yeah, yeah. he was losing money. Yeah. And he told me he had to rethink everything he did and just figure out, hey, how many homes do I want to do a year? How well can I do them? And then what are your margins? Yes. And I figured that out in the car building world, too, that, man, you got to know that and know your limitations and know your space and then look at uh, the people you're marketing to. You know what I mean? It, if you're going to build a $200,000 car, but you're selling it to a market that can only handle $200,000, you are not going to be successful. But mm-hmm. if you're going to build a $300,000 car and sell it to maybe a half a million dollar market or a $600,000 market, well, then you got something. So what are your skills and talent to achieve that? You know, you hit on some really important things. I've interviewed so many builders, fabricators, designers, and even the correlation to the home building and the construction business is really important. And what a lot of people discover is they're great as being craftsmen, but they don't know anything about business. And pretty soon the business starts to swallow them up because they spend all day doing what they love, welding, fabricating, building, designing, and then at night, Oh, now I got to do my bills. I got to get payroll. I've got to worry about payroll. I've got to pay my rent and the heating bill. And you're right. It just becomes this grind. So you hit on a golden nugget there. You have to very clearly define early in your business. What is this business all about and what I'm going to do? And I always say you don't want to chase the lowest price point. Uh, It works fine if you're an Amazon and you can scale or a Walmart or (laughs) you can take very or even Costco. You can take very small margins. 
And if that's the business you want to be, that's cool. You could get as rich as Jeff Bezos, I guess. But if <laughs> in the building world, uh, it's very different. So very clearly defining what your business is going to be and also defining what you're good at and what you want other people to do for you. And that work-life balance is so important. And the, the work-work balance, I say, is what are you doing in your work? So I'm really glad you hit on that. And obviously, you figured it out. So kudos to you. We're going to say another thank you to our sponsors here. And we come back. I want to dive into your personal history and passion for cars. Sounds like you came from a car family. So keep yourself buckled up. We're still rolling quick here uh, with Dave at Speed Car. We'll be right back. American Collectors Insurance. That's who now protects my Porsche Turbo. The one I call my orange crush. They've been protecting vehicles since 1976. With all the time, effort, and money you've put into your classic vehicles, do you know how much you would receive if yours was stolen damaged or totaled in an accident or a fire? Your regular auto insurance carriers won't tell you until after the claim and more than likely you'll be in for a rude awakening. With an agreed value policy from American Collectors Insurance, you'll be paid your vehicle's full agreed value. No surprises. So don't just hope for a fair claim settlement. Be certain and know exactly what you'll get with an agreed value policy. I shopped around and decided to protect my car with American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 224 9324 and protect the ones you love. Tell them Mark Green at Cars Yeah sent you. That's American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors, folks just like you and me. Let's take a pit stop from the conversation and talk about my charity of choice here at Cars Yeah, America's Automotive Trust. America's Automotive Trust is a group of like minded nonprofits working together to preserve and promote car culture across the country. Together, they provide scholarships and grants to aspiring technicians and restoration artists. They provide youth education programs and bring communities together through auto-related events, car shows, and drives. One of those nonprofits is very near and dear to my heart because it's right down the road from the Cars Yeah! headquarters. It's the LeMay America's Car Museum in Tacoma, Washington. One of the world's truly great automobile collections and one of those must-see bucket list destinations for car people like you and me. If you haven't seen it, I hope you make a trip soon. And if you have seen it, it's probably time to visit again. To learn more about this fantastic museum, go to www.americascarmuseum.org. And while you're there, you can donate to help them keep their engines running. That's www.americascarmuseum.org carmuseum.org. All right, Dave, we're back. I'd love for you to share a story that instigated that pivotal moment in your life and you knew that you were going to be a car guy. Yeah, so family's important and coming from an Italian family on both sides, it's interesting because my grandfather lived with me my whole life until he passed away a number of years ago. Mm -hmm. And having uh, a grandfather that was born in 1899 and had lived a lifetime so I was born in 1975. Wow. Was an amazing journey. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. So look at what, and I think we can call them the world's greatest generation, right? Oh, yes. Absolutely. That era. I look at my grandfather as an inspiration because he came from Italy with nothing and immigrated to Milwaukee and got an engineering job at 
17, 18, and he only had a third grade education. Oh, my God. And wow. they were building race cars in the 20s, and they were racing Indy in 29, and they were successful, you know, in the Midwest with their designs. My great uncle did the first tubular chassis ever. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, he was abducted into the SAE, Society of Automotive Engineers, uh-huh. uh, even though he had no education ever. Wow. They were building engines. They ran Miller engines in their oh, there's a, uh, in there's the a name. cars. Yeah. Yeah. Often housers. They were building bodies, building headers. And look at the equipment they had at the time. Talk about Stone Age. Yeah. And they were doing this stuff because they had a passion for it. And what's amazing is the people that saw this and see, seeing people on the racetrack, especially wearing a leather helmet and goggles. I and know. Incredible. The, the persona was, hey, we don't want to be rolled over in the vehicle. Let's make sure we get thrown out while the vehicle is rolling <laughs> I know. over. You no, know, no seatbelts. On a dirt yeah. track. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no seatbelt. You're going to get thrown over uh, and someone's probably going to run over behind you and, you know, go right over the top of you. So think about this. And they did it. And uh, it was amazing. I mean, Indy and dirt tracks and all this stuff. So then my grandfather ran the Milwaukee Mile up until I want to say around 1970, something like that. All the big races were there for stock car, NASCAR, you know, Indy. And it was very successful. And then the era kind of changed a little bit. You saw racing had a different persona in the 70s and 80s. And then, you know, today it definitely has a different flavor. But what was interesting, being young and in the 80s, I want to say, working with my grandfather who had been through World War I, World War II, and uh, Great Depression and everything else, he had this mindset and he had this strategy, if you will, where he could fix and build anything. And he was dependent on himself and his skills because that's what got them through those difficult times. So working with him in the garage and restoring some cars early, uh, you know, in my teens. And then my father also uh, had a passion for cars and he had a 29 Model A hot rod rebuild, uh, some old 34 Chevy pickup and all that stuff. And then me, you know, getting my first vehicle around age 13, 14 at a 55 Ford F100, building that and then involving and watching these influential movies like Bullet. Uh, watching Steve McQueen, you know, race around in that Mustang and the Charger chase scene and watching the car movies that had that inspiration. Yeah. And putting that all together with that family history, that really ignited it for me. And I've just been hooked ever since. And I've, I've actually been in the car world, you know, after high school, I got a job at a Ford dealer. I worked in a collision shop and I tried after a while because I kind of got burned out working on cars for a little bit. I tried to leave and do something else. I hated it. So that's when I had to come back. I was 26 years old and I started my own business with nothing. And then over the last 20 years, here I am today. So, um, it's, but that's, that's kind of the passion. That's the drive. And that's, you know, a little bit of history. Well, it's a wonderful history and it's clear that you truly value that time you had with your grandfather. That's really a lost thing these days. I didn't know my grandfather that well. I grew up a surfer in Southern California. He was a farmer in Texas and those every about three, four years we would drive, pile into the Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser and drive to Texas and get to spend a week with him. And it was like going to an alien planet for me (laughs) to be on this farm in Texas. But at the same time, just the little bits I got from 
him about life and his perspective and making it through my father was born during the Great Depression and the things my grandfather had to do then. And the fact that he could do anything, he had this barn that he could, you know, fix anything, weld anything, do anything. And I'll never forget, I think I was a teenager, maybe 16. I was pretty strong because I was a teenager and I, I surfed and he said, hey, Mark, how many pull-ups can you do? And I said, well, I don't know. And he goes, can you do one-armed? And he jumped. Now, this guy was, when I was 16, he was in his late 40s, I think, 50. He grabbed one arm on this beam and started doing one-armed pull-ups. And he, No way. Wow, that's amazing. I know. And when you shook his hand, it was like shaking a brick. I mean, it was just, you could just see in his life all the the struggle, but the hard work, but the pride in what he'd done, uh, really amazing. So you're very fortunate to have grown up with a grandfather in your life like that. Very, very fortunate. And yeah, the greatest generation by far, self-dependent, which so many people are not these days. I mean, it's kind of sad. Some people can't even change the tire in their car. So a wonderful time you had. You know, you mentioned that 55 Ford F100. I always ask my guests for the first really special vehicle in their life. Was that it for you? Was Or was there another vehicle that came along later that you'd saved up for you really worked hard or a car that you built so the one that's special to me that i have not gotten yet actually because i i love vintage ferraris and of course i could never afford to have one and um i just got a 330 uh which is great i love it oh nice and it's funny because i'm in the muscle car world but the story with that is and it reflects back to my grandfather again was in 1953 my grandfather went back to italy to visit family and he went over to Ferrari and he had a racing history, obviously my grandfather. And so did obviously Enzo. And uh, he met with Enzo and a funny story is they became friends and Enzo said to him, pick any car you want here. And my grandfather picked out a, a 53 or 54. You have to forgive me, 212, uh, you know, had the V12, everything else. And it was amazing blue car wow. tickets in Switzerland today. And he purchased it from Enzo spent some time with him. They went over to look at race cars and all this stuff and had it shipped back to Milwaukee. Wow. And I remember as a young child, my grandfather would tell me about the time he had the Ferrari. And I didn't understand the time. I'm like, oh, why didn't you keep it? Why didn't you keep it? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. of course, this was the 50s. And my grandfather's like, this was Milwaukee. And Milwaukee still had brick streets. And they would try to drive this car down that thing <laughs> that would beat you to death yeah, with a V12. Didn't and really you couldn't work. keep the RPNs up. And yeah. it was like, it was the wrong place for that car. Right. And that's why he sold it. So one day I am going to get that car back. And one day, uh, God willing, maybe my mom's still alive where I can give it to her as a gift Wow. and just say, this was, you know, your father's and we've, you know, we've done it and we've made it back. Yeah. But I bought the 330 because I spend time with my daughter, as you know, who's 10, and we tear around town and we go camping in that car, believe it or not, just throw a tent in the back. And camping? Stuff. Yeah. We go up to Devil's Lake and I throw a tent in the back and we just go pull out the tent, spend the weekend up there and come back. But I want her to have those memories yeah. of me and her in that car yeah. because when she's old enough, I'm going to give that to her. Nice. And then that's going to be something uh, in her life that's special wow. and that signifies this car culture that we have. That is, yes, it's based around cars, but it's also based around family. Wow. What an awesome story. Now, what year is that Ferrari? Uh, the one I have is 67. 1967. Oh my gosh. You'll go camping in it. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> That's <fun>. incredible. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But you got to tease these kids a little bit because like, oh, look how cool this is. Because you're like, so if you do good in school and you become X, you know, you can, and you can repair this and you're 
technical and you can do, you know, yeah. have these achievements, you can have great things because, and there's nothing wrong with having great things because you worked for them right. and you earned them and yeah. you went to school and it's yeah. just, you got to do what your passion is. And, and I'm sure like you, you're doing what your passion is right now. You're, yep. How many shows have you done so far? 1,681. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I kind of like talking to people so you, about cars. That's for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you're living it every day and yeah. uh, I just want everybody else to do the same thing. Live your dream. Yeah. I'm very fortunate because I get to spend time with some great people like you, Dave, learning about your lives. And uh, it's obvious you're a wonderful father and uh, mentor for your children. Well, I'm going to get into your head a little bit here. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a car, you were actually manifest as a car. This isn't what you want to be. This is how your personality fits into some kind of vehicle. What would Dave Salvaggio be? Good question. You know, I would say my personality, if I was to compare it to a car, I, I do have the heart and soul and I love, you know, maybe with a lineage, something like a V12 Ferrari, yeah. but I have the wiring of a Jaguar <laughs> because the wiring on a Jaguar gives you problems. Little suspect so of Lucas Electronics. Yeah, exactly. So I look at it as like, I have a passion for doing things, but you got to make sure that your passion doesn't go beyond what you know, maybe your wallet or your mind says you can do in a time frame, right? Well, it goes back to that comment. You got to know your limitations, right? Right, right. And that's, that's the way. But you know what? Passion and hard work will probably get you a lot further than just doing something you hate all the time in life because, uh, right. you know, you, you just won't get there. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? You could, you could sit behind a desk and just be miserable and maybe you're making whatever, a couple hundred grand a year. But if you hate it, yeah, it's, it's not a way to go through life. So let's narrow this down then. We're talking Italian heritage Ferrari, but Jaguar wiring. So are you a bit of a Frankenstein card? I've had guests answer that question this way. They're part one thing, part another. So what would Dave be? Yeah, good question. Uh, you know, I would say maybe, I don't know. You know, it's a good question because I'm, I'm into everything. So yeah. it's it's a good question. I would say something maybe like a, a hybrid AC Cobra or something, because you're you're part something from one country, you know, which the Cobras originated in right. the UK, but then you're you're American too, because yeah, yeah. you know what Shelby did. So I would say something along that line. You know, I had a so. guest who's an artist, Cleeworth, um, uh, and he's the one who gave me this idea. I used to ask a different question. He said in his British accent, "Mark, I have a better question for you to ask me." And I said, "Okay." And he gave me this question, which I've used ever since. And for him, he was an expatriate. He was British, but he made his fortune being an artistic, Harold Cleeworth, an artistic painter here in the U.S. So he said, "The front of me is an Austin Healey, but the back is a Cadillac Biarritz." And uh, <laughs> I, I said, so you're telling me you got a big ass? And he laughed and said, well, I hadn't thought of it that way. Maybe I should switch things around. And I said, well, then you're going to have some Dagmars. That would be interesting. Um, so, but it's a great question, and I appreciate you putting some thought to that. I like that. A hybrid AC Cobra. Very nice. All right, Dave, we are entering what I call the last lap. I'm going to fire off some questions, get some very quick lightning round answers from you. Quick blips of that AC Cobra throttle. Love the AC Cobra. So here we go. What's one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes in life? Determination. 100%. Definitely. Now, if I could arrange for you to sit down and have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? You know, Enzo Ferrari, probably. Yeah. Um, you know, another thing, he wasn't really in the uh, automotive world, but Nikolai Tesla, oh, because gosh. he had so many inventions. Yes. And 
he never really made it at the end. He chased his passion mm-hmm. and he made some money, but he didn't, he didn't really make what he wanted at the end. And one other one would be Tucker. Here's a man with a vision and determination, but he didn't make it also in the end. So I would want to learn from the mistakes of those men yeah. and use that for an education for myself. That would be one heck of a dinner party with those three guys sitting there. I mean, that would be, that's a very interesting combination, but I love those answers. How about when it comes to automotive advice or building your dream car? What's the best advice someone else ever offered you that you use for your clients? The three things, craftsmanship, serviceability, and then the last thing is know your customer's needs. So if you can achieve all that and deliver that, Based on that philosophy, you're going to be successful. Absolutely. Now, when it comes to resources, there are so many for us these days. Is there kind of a go-to for you, one that you keep finding yourself reaching out and enjoying? Yeah. You know, to be honest, I love talking to people, whether it's at SEMA, car shows, and everything else. And I find that if you talk to the builders that are there and you learn from them or they learn from you, or even if it's people building stuff in the street, that communication uh, just, you know, word of mouth and all that is such an education because you can research everything online and you're going to hear maybe somewhat of a sales perspective from certain shops, depending on blogs and all this other stuff. But if you just talk to people and have that car culture reflect to you, you know, success and failure. I think that's the best education out there. You know, I'm glad you said that. Obviously, I like doing that. I talk to five people a week. I've been doing it for almost seven years. You can learn so much talking with people. And some of the really fun conversations I've had, we go back to your grandfather, are with people that have been around. I interviewed Ed Iskadarian. And this year he celebrated his 92nd birthday or something like that. I mean, maybe wow. older. He's been around. the Isky cams. And what an interesting conversation. I always tell people... You're right. Talk to people, especially older people who've been around. They can give you a perspective like you can't believe. Yeah, but SEMA, yeah, sadly we lost that, but it'll be back next year. This would have been my 31st uh, year attending SEMA. Can't wait to go back. It'll be bigger and better in 2021. Now, but Dave, is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would really uh, get some information from that you've enjoyed? Uh, You know, I'm not much of a book reader, to be honest. I know that I... If I watch something or I hear it, I'm way better at retaining information than reading it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, I'm a trial by fire type of guy. <laughs> so I do it and I find out, oh, that wasn't the right way to do it. But you learn that lesson and you move forward. So no, not much true. of a, a reader, but I am uh, more of a person who lives life and understands it through um, you know, doing so. I understand. I understand. All right, Dave, we are up to the checkered flag and I'm going to buy you something very cool today. Some kind of a cool collector car could be anything or maybe I fund a build. We could do that too. I've done that with a few guests, but here are the kickers and the keys to this little game. Since I'm writing what could be a very large check, you can't sell this thing to fund a bunch of other stuff. I want you to drive it no garage queens or dust collectors allowed here at Cars Yeah. But here's the hard part. If you could only have one collector car in your garage that ticks all the boxes that you can enjoy with your family, go out and have fun with, what would it be for Dave? Probably late 60s, you know, a 275 Ferrari. I mean, I just think it's it's classic and, you know, they nailed it. So, yeah. in my opinion, how do you go wrong with the lines? How do you go wrong with the stance? Uh, just the way the engine sounds. And I mean, is there anything really better uh, in the European world? I mean, yeah, Uh, no. So that I get you the right kind of car here. Is there a color you'd love that Ferrari to be? 
You know, everybody would say red, but for me, it would just be a blue. And I don't know why, but I just, I have a, a passion for that. And uh, I just, I don't know. I just think it looks amazing in the lines because red is great, but red says scream at me. But blue says, look at the lines and the detail. And you're actually appreciating the car more than the color. So I think the car should speak first and the color should speak second. Well, you know, and it's funny because in the collector car world, uh, unique and different colors are really have come on in the latter years here. And I used to always be a red guy. I've always been into Porsches, had lots of red Porsches and red cars and everything. But maybe I can say I've matured a little bit and expanded my wings uh, somewhat. And now I really like seeing cars in unique and different colors. And Ferrari had some absolutely beautiful blues light blues kind of green blues dark rich blues um if you go and google just 275 ferrari you'll see all sorts of you know blue incredible colors that are just magnificent so i'm glad you chose something that is a little different a little unique and that car what's interesting to me about that car it can be very sporting or it can be very elegant almost like the luso in a way that it could be a car you could take to dinner but you could also take it on the track and have some fun. So, yeah, nice choice, my friend. This is going to cost me a pretty penny. Holy cow. Right. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I kind of figured with a name like Salvaggio, we were going to go Ferrari or something Italian today. Dave, you've taken me on an incredibly fun ride. I really appreciate you spending some time with me today. Before I let you go, would you offer us another piece of your very wonderful wisdom and guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that beautiful 275 Ferrari? Well, as far as any more advice, I would say this. I would be open if anybody ever wants to email me anytime at uh, dsalvaggio at speedcore.com. Ask me or tell me where the next generation of car builders or artisans or craftsmen are coming from. Yeah. Or tell me that you have a skill or share with me what you guys think that the future looks like. Because I see the future in the car industry as, yes, things are going electric. And yes, the demographic is going to change and, you know, vehicles are going to change and we want to be there to change with it. Yeah. But I would like to hear from maybe the audience and share with me some of your stories or share with me what you see the future as and are you looking for a job and do you want to have a skill or a trade that we can help get you plugged into the, you know, in the car culture or maybe even here at Speedcore. So that's where I would leave that. I love that answer, Dave, and I'll make sure to put a link to that. It's D Salvaggio, D S A L V A G G I O at Speedcore. And Speedcore is S P E E D K O R E dot com. Now, there's an open invitation to anybody out there that's looking to change their career, maybe a young person trying to get into this industry. There's a place for you, and there's going to be a place for all these old cars in the future. Some of the amazing things they're doing with putting electric power plants in some of these older vehicles is cool as well. Why not have some fun with it? But uh, there's opportunity out there, and the door just opened for some of those listeners. So take advantage of this wonderful offer that Dave has put out there in front of you. What's the best way for people to keep up with you guys? and learn more about Speedcore. Yeah, Speedcore01 on Instagram and Facebook. And, uh, you know, also just go to uh, speedcore.com. And also look for us at SEMA next year and uh, a couple other shows. The Good Guys shows are great. We do some of those. and uh, Or give us a call, even if it's something you, know, you need advice on or you have questions or maybe something in the future. There you go. What's the best number for people to call you guys at? Call at 262-227-7047. I'll make sure I put all of these 
great references on Dave's show notes page. There's an open door for some several people out there. The builders and fabricators and these very talented people are looking for people to carry these legacies into the future. There's opportunities there. Tech Force is my charity of choice here. They're all about that. Uh, you can check out Tech Force as well. You'll hear them on this show. Dave, this has been so much fun. Thank you for being so generous with your time and expertise and for sharing what an incredible life you built around yourself. Until you and I talk again and we're let out of quarantine and we can meet at SEMA, which I'm sure we're going to do next year, I'll see you down the road. Sounds great, Mark. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for enthusiasts and collectors. It's your monthly must-read, whether you dream of owning a collector car, maybe you have two, or maybe you've got 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Here's a couple deals I have for you just for listening here on Cars Yeah. If you use the checkout code Cars Yeah, you'll receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription at Sports Car Market. That's an exclusive offer from Cars Yeah. And guess what? Here's another deal. If you'd like to get the actual magazine, use the code BSH for buy, sell, hold. That's code BSH. And you'll get $10 off your annual print subscription. That's right. $10 off. Both of these are exclusive offers here at Cars Yeah for Sports Car Market Magazine. Just go to sportscarmarket.com and get your deals today. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting. But what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah! <laughs>